0: post your free job on linkedin.com/recommend today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Rise Together podcast. My name is still Dave. I am excited to introduce you to a new friend, Jessamine Stanley. Jessamine is an award-winning, internationally acclaimed voice in wellness, highly sought after for it, her insights on 21st century yoga and intersectional identity. She's well-versed on a variety of cultural issues, including the modern Black experience, LGBTQIA plus representation, and equity in the health industry. As a successful yoga instructor and entrepreneur, Jessamine is the founder of The Underbelly, a streaming wellness app with digital yoga classes available by web, iOS, Android, Roku, Apple TV, and Amazon Fire. She launched The Underbelly to help individuals tune in with themselves and live authentically. The flourishing platform is the home for wellness enthusiasts and the wellness curious who may feel displaced, discouraged, or overlooked due to not seeing themselves reflected in the health and fitness community. The brand is also known for its inclusive approach toward physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. I am so excited that you are here. Please welcome Jessamine Stanley to the Rise Together podcast. Welcome to Rise Together. My name's Dave Hollis, I'm the host of this show where we're gonna hopefully have you feeling a little more normal in this, the human experience. Maybe see yourself even in some of the stories that are told or have your appreciation of what it means to be human expanded by someone who's come on as a guest, who's had a different life experience. In all of it, we are trying our best in community to learn from each other, to grow, and maybe even have a little bit more compassion for what it's like to walk in each other's shoes. When we do, we all rise together.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Dave. I'm honored to be here with you and humbled, truly.
0: Oh, well, that's ridiculous. I feel the exact same way about getting to be here with you. So I, uh, you know, I'm reading something that basically is touting some of what you are up to and who you are, but uh, in your own words, could you give the listener a little introduction uh, with your life experience? Why you think you're here and what kind of mark you hope to leave?
1: (laughs) You know, I really, the internet is such a weird place because it literally just makes like what is average and mundane seem like really like complex and complicated so that I'm like, I'm literally just like, I practice yoga. You know what I mean? Like I practice yoga. I call myself a yoga teacher because it's the easiest way to describe what I do as a profession, but I don't even really identify with that label so much. Like, I feel like I'm a practitioner and I, and, and in the yoga of everyday life too, right? Like the yoga of everyday life being like, not just practicing yoga on a yoga mat, but like seeing that The word yoga means union. It means to bring together, to draw together. So any time in life that you're bringing together the parts that don't make sense or that seem like conundrums or contradictions, that is practicing yoga. So really, we're all practicing yoga all the time. So that I'm like, literally, I just am like trying to survive my life. I'm just trying to do shit. But it is true that um, when I started sharing my yoga practice on social media, which was a long time ago now at this point, like it's closer to 10 years than five or zero. So it's, it's been a while when I started sharing my yoga practice, people were like, I didn't know that fat people could practice yoga. And I was like, fat people do all kinds of stuff all the time. Like literally I'm not even the first fat black person to put themselves out there on the internet practicing yoga. So it made me realize that like, there's a need for more visibility and a need for people to see that, you know, it's okay to just be yourself. It's okay to live in your body and just, and not apologize for it. And that led to me like going to yoga teacher training. And after my teacher training, I was like, okay, I'm just going to try to reach every person who has asked me to teach them yoga. Like, I'm not going to try to like, and then when I'm done with that, I have other goals, I have other things I would like to do, then I will do that. So I start and literally in a lot of ways, I'm still just like trying to check off all the different places on that list. And for years, I taught before the (laughs) in the before times, I traveled regularly to places all over the world teaching yoga, but I can't physically be in the same room with people all the time. And so that is where the underbelly was born, the underbelly my wellness community, which has started with yoga classes taught by me, but we will eventually expand to other wellness modalities and other definitions of what it means to be well. But it's really come from this desire to like have a community that is not about changing the way that you look. And it's not about like how, it's not about how you appear to other people. It's about how you can accept yourself. But even with that, like not everybody is going to want to take digital wellness classes. Like some people will maybe never practice yoga at all. And that is where my writing books came from. And my first book, Everybody Yoga, was definitely geared toward every single person that has ever asked me, how do I start practicing yoga? Because I was like bitch, there are literally like thousands of resources about this. Like you could just Google, how do I practice yoga? But then when I would Google, how do I practice yoga? I was like, this is so confusing. It is not clear how you do this at all. And so everybody yoga is that answer to, if you are like, I want to start practicing yoga and I'm not sure where to start. Get that book and by the last page you will be practicing downward facing dog and have everything that you need. But then my second book, Yoke, My Yoga of Self-Acceptance, is really about the yoga of everyday life. It's about accepting the intersections of your identity. It's about accepting internalized racism, internalized fat phobia, capitalism. There's cannabis use is discussed. There's all kinds of stuff. And it's real, but it's about like that non-physical yoga practice. But even with all of that, literally, not everybody's gonna read a book. Not everybody wants to go to a yoga class. And so that is where my podcast, Dear Jessamine, came from. And Dear Jessamine, to me, is also about the yoga of everyday life, but it's also about like how our partners and the people that, and relationships in general, not just romantic relationships, but all relationships, that those are really the greatest yoga teachers that Mm. I have learned more through partnership, through that reflection than I have like in any yoga class or on any yoga mat ever. And so Dear Jessamine, is about that. And then my organization, We Go High, was even born from that as well. We Go High is a Southern-based cannabis justice organization, and we really empower people to see their cannabis use as a catalyst for political change. And all of that is ensconced in, like, how can we all get more free? How can we all accept ourselves? So... That, in a nutshell, is Come who on, I yeah. am. <laughs> Not <laughs> Not up for us.
0: anything though. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to start with one thing because I I found in yoke and in yoga there is something that is similar and that's unity. Mm-hmm. In that yoke is about this unity of self, bringing together the good, the bad, the ugly, just like creating something in kind of loving all parts of you and this idea of self-love but that yoga is uh, feels like to me and I want you to help correct me if I'm wrong a unity of humanity this like connection between us and others we can Mm -hmm. all go further together kind of idea Mm -hmm. am I right in seeing that there's some similarities in yoga and yoga with unity and those differences between self and humanity
1: well I think of yoke so yoga is like how that's my like millennial American translation of the Sanskrit, ancient Sanskrit word yoga, which means union. So I think of yoking, bringing together as yoga, bringing together. So to me, like it's all, I feel like what we do on an individual level as just like, just as individual people, that, that impacts how we show up globally. So if we're doing work uh, if we're doing the work of self-acceptance on a personal scale, that's how we can start to get into unearthing and dismantling systemic problems. And the one of the my go-to examples is systemic racism because I think that it's the it's very topical and it is something that I believe is at the core of everything. So. It's impossible to dismantle systemic racism, which again is like very trendy as an idea right now. It's impossible to do that if we're not dismantling the systemic racism inside of us on an individual level. So until we're each individually able to say, I am racist, everyone, no, like the, across the board. And like we can have conversations about like what, who can be racist? Can, um, can marginalized people be racist? Can a black person be racist? We can have that conversation. I would argue that they can, but I get that there is, there are different definitions and like different ways of understanding this, but even that conversation can't happen if we're not willing to dismantle on an individual level. So that's why I'm like, like we practice the yoga on the mat We practice it um, in our breath work. We practice it in meditation. We practice it um, in the way that we connect with ourselves as a way to connect with other people. So that, yeah, if you're able to accept yourself, that's how you're able to accept someone else.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Yeah, in that People magazine article that was featuring your essay and the conversation around race and just all of the things, I, I love the quote. By the end of it, I realized I don't have shit to say to anyone else that I don't need to say to myself first.
1: Exactly. And you can yes. take
0: that for uh, you know anything inside of systemic racism, or frankly, almost anything else. I, I love the idea of being self-reflective, so that you might have an ability to objectively understand someone else's experience or or know how to say what to say because of having done the work inside first
1: it was a very difficult thing i think to have to come to terms with because when i first when i first pitched yoke and when i first started writing it i thought like yes, this is my opportunity to tell every white person who has gotten on my nerves for the last however many years, exactly how I feel about them. And also to let them know how I think that we should dismantle systemic racism. So it's very annoying to realize in the writing of this book that in order to dismantle systemic racism, I need to focus on dismantling myself first. And so, but it's a hard thing to say because I think that there is a desire in our culture to say not it and to say like, oh, well, that's not on me. And so, even in writing yoke, there's this piece of me that's like, I don't want to give, I don't want to let anyone off the hook. I guess <laughs> is what I would say. I don't, especially I don't want to let white people off the hook. I don't want it to be like, oh well, she's saying that, like you know, that she needs to work on her, and that other people need to work on them. So maybe I don't need to work on me. But that is the beauty of the yoga is that ultimately for me as a practitioner and for anyone else who is doing this work, it doesn't matter what anyone else does. It doesn't matter. Like no white people could ever dismantle their own internalized systemic racism. Like that doesn't need to happen in order for me to know in order for the practitioner to know that I just need to worry about myself. And it is incredible what can happen when you make space for just focusing on your own shit because it makes space for other people to do the exact same thing.
0: That's real. That's real. So then on the yoga side, this idea of unity of humanity, talk a little bit about where you see that connection of us or how it brings this possibility of us going further together.
1: Mm. Well, so there's this This is a constant conversation in yoga about duality and non-duality and like what is what's more important and what's less important. And I think that we think about the individual so that we are able to accept our place in the whole. Like I grew up in the Baha'i faith. And one thing that we talk about a lot is this idea of like we're all drops of one ocean. We're all leaves of one tree. Like no matter how individual you are, you're always a part of this greater collective and a part of a long lineage and ancestry and a history that extends before your birth and after your death. And so to accept that role in history and in time, to accept yourself and to see that you have impact, that your life has purpose and intention and that whoever you are, whatever you've been saddled with this life was custom cut for you. And it means that you have a a light that can shine that literally no one else can shine. Like no one else can do whatever it is that you're here to do. Yeah. But all of that is feeding toward this collective. It's all a part of this larger narrative and i think that sometimes we feel like we're not that important you know you feel like like your life doesn't really matter or that what you say or think doesn't really matter you might even look to other people to like have the answers as opposed to looking within yourself for the answers and it really does require a realigning of perspective about what your impact is on this planet and why you're here and that it does matter what you do. It matters what every single one of us does. And there's also this desire to like be the same as everyone else, so like trying to fit in or fit with the crowd. And if we were all meant to be the same, we would be the same. That would have just that would just have we would be pod people, but we're not. We're all radically different from one another. Even people who come from the exact same set of DNA are completely different from one another. Ask twins. So like accepting that the individuality is crucial. It is the whole, it's the reason for the season. But what's also crucial is recognizing that that individuality serves a a greater goal. And I think that when we accept our role in the, larger collective consciousness, we're making space for that healing of systemic problems. Like you might not think that climate change and systemic racism and um, sexism and that all of these things are connected to self-acceptance and compassion, but they are. and But they have to be practiced on that individual level first.
0: Yeah. So when you think about that individual level, I know you've spoken a lot around intuition, trusting what you know of your knowing, listening to it, even if it means making bad decisions, a a line I've heard you use before. How how does intuition play into or feed that individuality that ultimately feeds the service of this broader collective?
1: Mm, Intuition is so tricky. It's like both very simple and it's everything. And it's like, it's the gut punch that you know at your center. And then at the exact same time, it's really hard because it's like, it's not like, it's it's not like reading the answers out of the textbook. It's like kind of licking your finger and putting it up to the wind and seem like, is that where I am? Is that what's going on? Sometimes the gut punch is real and you know what you need to do. And that's just what it is. But I, i at this point tend to move entirely with intuition and it's tricky. And intuition leads you down the wrong path. You will do the wrong thing, but you needed to go down the wrong path. And this is always the thing about life is that it's like, the point, there's no winning in life. Like there's just doors and you walk through doors and then sometimes there's a window and go through a window and then sometimes you go over a bridge. Like it's just a bunch of shit that happens and then it's over. So like, as long as you're still here, you're doing it right. And that's winning enough. And that if you are like, you know, just accepting that like, Sometimes you have to make the bad decision or the wrong decision in order to get to the good thing or to have the happy feeling. But then even with that, accepting that there's more bad things coming and there's yeah. more complexity coming. But that all of that comes through just going with what your internal knowing Uh, can tell you. And we live in a society that wants us to tune out of our internal knowing. So this is always the trouble with like, like I blame capitalism, but I also identify as a capitalist. So it's like, you know, we have a love hate relationship, but I'm like, capitalism wants for us to attune ourselves to the voices of other people, basically so that we'll buy stuff. Like, so that we'll feel inclined to change our lives based on whatever somebody else has said. But when you listen to yourself and listen to the voices that live inside of you and listen to that gut sensation, you get information and knowledge that... I think of it as ancestral knowledge. And it's literally like, you're carrying the blood of people who live before you. So like they already know a bunch of stuff that you can learn from just by listening to yourself and tuning in. And people be like, how do you, like, how do you listen to your intuition? And I'm like, you know how, everybody knows how we just ignore Like that voice that you're ignoring when you say like, like, Oh, I wasn't sure what to do. There was a part of me that thought I should do, but that part, that was the intuition. It was telling you then. That's what it was.
0: Well, I mean, I think there has to be some component of grace then that has to be part and parcel with the willingness to listen, even if you know that there are times when it leads you down that wrong path. Yeah.
1: Oh, yes. The grace and the compassion. This, these are the hard parts. Like, Actually, I feel like following your intuition is much easier when you give yourself the grace to make a wrong step or to say, to do the wrong thing. Or to hurt somebody else. And that's usually the part where it gets really tricky. Is like, no, but I feel like we're all like, I don't want to hurt anybody. Or like, I don't want to be damaging. You will be. That's a part of life. You have to be. Because whoever that was needed whatever shitty experience that only you could deliver to them. And offering yourself the grace of being that that's a part of life. It's really like the whole point. Just to be in it. And um, experiencing and practicing compassion. And compassion, I think, sounds nicer than it is in practice. Like, I feel like compassion can sometimes look brutal. It will look, like, very difficult to receive. And, And then other times, it is really, it's generous and has an obvious expression of empathy and And all of that is lovely, but ultimately, like, sometimes grace and compassion don't look fun. They don't look like, um, they don't make you feel good. But they are offering a lot in the long run. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, in in a world where... You, I mean, one of the things I love most about your feed and the stuff you put out, like you just radiate with self-love. You are so body positive. You are, but also I don't know how like the compassion or the grace or the whatever, when society or the fitness community at large is at times or always throwing headwinds in the face of what it means to be like this, what they're trying to sell or this, what they're trying how do you tap into and stay connected to this self-love and this body positivity when you are faced with a current of societal expectations or people chirping about this, that, or the other thing in a world that has, you know, said, hey, there's this way to be, and there are plenty of people that don't necessarily fit perfectly into that box.
1: Mm. So, and I mean, I think that, I would argue that none of us can fit into that box and that that's where the continued unhappiness comes from. It's like thinking that you should be able to fit into the box. And, um, yeah, I mean... For me personally, a huge piece of the puzzle is accepting that it's all a day-by-day, moment-by-moment journey and that each moment is meant to be different and that no matter how much work you've done in the moments before, that doesn't mean that you don't have more work to do in the following moments. And so if you... Like, okay, um, even just thinking about my yoga practice and the pandemic. So I felt like all the yoga that I practiced before the pandemic was practice for the pandemic because like, I was like, okay, you know, I want to practice regularly. I want to do blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, there's that's these are all fucking bullshit things to think that you're going to do. But you know, like you say, I'll do it, whatever. And then you work toward it and then you find the system and I'm like, oh my God, yes, I practice yoga regularly. I've wanted this my whole life. This is amazing. And then the pandemic happens and it's like, okay. So there was a whole other reason to have established that practice because now I need it for real. Now I, now is the time to really practice so that like, and anything in life is like that. It's like, you know, we do all of this work and we're like, we're waiting for that place where like, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Like, oh, I fixed that thing, so I don't have to worry about it anymore. We do it, everything for me is about relationships. So I feel like we do it a lot in relationships. You're like, no, I figured that out. Like, I got that situation figured out, we're good. And it's just never that way. It's like, it's always evolving. It's always changing. And like, for me, it's helpful to know that it's okay, first of all, it's okay. Whatever it is, it's okay. And then, this is but a moment. This is um, there's a song by I'm, Sia, the singer, uh, artist, multi instrumentalist, songwriter. She is very influential in my life, and one of her songs, um, it's called "Death by Chocolate," and it's all about um, the the resolution of a relationship. And she says. Um, he's but a falling leaf. And the idea is like that there are seasons to this life and whoever that person is is you are like a tree and the tree molts its leaves and he is but a falling leaf. And what happens to a tree? It goes underground. It like it goes through this period of being barren and then it ripens and it bears fruit every year and it just happens. And because that's life, there're seasons. So good. So yeah, that's the thing.
0: So whether it's the underbelly or your books, there there is something in you being someone who can connect to someone who's desperate to see themselves in a yoga instructor, in someone who's working in wellness. And I'm curious, was there someone for you that was trailblazing a, oh yeah, I can do this. Or was there in the absence of seeing someone who looked like you, Was that the invitation for you to step into the space and become the person that someone needed to see?
1: I definitely think it's both and. So um, what I was saying before about how like when I first started sharing my yoga practice on social media and people were like, oh my God, I didn't know the fat people could do yoga. I was like, there are so many fat people doing yoga. Like the teachers who were most influential for me are Diane Bondi and Anna Guest Jelly of Curvy Yoga. They have been out here in these streets doing this work for way longer than I have. And I remember when I was a kid, even my mom subscribed to Yoga Journal and I would see them like. I I was very familiar with the idea that fat people practice yoga and even that fat black people practice yoga. But um, I will say that I am, I've always been like a loner weirdo. And so there is a lot of my experience that like I did not see represented in the mainstream. And I felt that has always given me a lot of confidence, like feeling different from people because I feel like I can't, I don't have anyone to turn to. So like I can just turn to myself and if I'm having a good time, then that's worthwhile. And so that definitely not seeing myself fully accurately represented inspired me to share my life and to be really honest, but it didn't like, I never aspired to like be a role model for other people. And I don't, I still have a lot of I I guess at this point in my life, I have less struggle with it than I ever have. But um, I have historically had a lot of struggle with it because I feel like I'm just living my life. I'm not trying to tell anybody else what to do or like try to be an inspiration. And I do think that that is key to being an inspiration is that you can't try to be an inspiration. You just need to be yourself. And like, it's like not a thing that... um, can be bottled or manufactured. And I think that if you do want to inspire other people, that's a good, it's a good litmus test. Like, it's just a good place to check in. Like, why do you want to inspire other people? Why do you want to change another person's life? Is it because you don't feel confident in your own life? And like, you want, if you see other people doing what you're doing, then that confirms that you should be doing what you're doing. Like just doing all of that kind of, self-study and, and not, and we've been talking a lot about grace and compassion, like offering yourself the grace and compassion to like be egotistical and be selfish and want, like have nefarious notions, like give yourself the grace to be a complex human being. Yeah. And all of that I think will yield the result ultimately that you want.
0: Well, you've created something in a platform, and uh, as you continue to do this work, it's being recognized by more and more people, but also the internet is a dumpster fire at times. Mm -hmm. There are people that are going to go out of their way to try and body shame other people, and I'm curious, you know, how do you handle when people or even higher profile people with platforms decide Mm -hmm. to um, take a swipe or a swing at you living your very best life?
1: You know, I'm so grateful for the bullies that I had in middle school because they taught me a lot about trolling. Um, I was bullied pretty extensively when I was in middle school, especially. And what I learned through that experience is that only people who are hurt hurt people so that anyone who is trolling ever for any reason is feeling deeply sad in their own life. Mm. And I know what it is to be sad. I've experienced deep wells of sadness. And so if I can know that, then I can experience compassion for the person who is trolling. And that is how I feel invariably whenever somebody is taking a swipe at me, as you said, is that that person is really sad and they have a lot going on. And especially if they have a, a higher public profile than I do, being in the public eye is fucking difficult. And it is really unpleasant. And it leads you to think really sketchy things about yourself. And so all I have in that instance, especially, is just pure, straight compassion, like deep, like, I'm like, yo, I feel you. It is hard out here, but I mean, I don't want to make it sound like I'm like, like, oh my God, so pious always. No, sometimes people try it. And there are days when I'm not feeling this way. And I'm like, I'm from Greensboro and you don't know me. And I could, I could go for you. And always on those days, the days, whenever I like pop back at somebody or like have some shit to say, I always wish I hadn't just because I feel like it, adds to this like negative energy that I think doesn't serve the world in general. And it certainly doesn't serve my spirit. And there, I've been trolled a lot online, like from very high profile people. And I just feel like it's their sadness shining through. Mm -hmm. And it's an opportunity for me to practice my yoga and for me to find compassion for myself and offer that to somebody else.
0: Yeah, it is interesting because in any criticism that I've ever taken, uh, yep. I've had plenty of times where I didn't handle it as well. And when I could finally create something of empathy for the pain that they were going through, there was interestingly freedom from, you know, a lot Absolutely. of what was being said, because man, I, you must be going through hard things or you must be processing pain, grief, sadness, all the things. And my heart goes out to you. I hope that you get to, you know, get better soon.
1: That's exactly right.
0: What's interesting, uh, you have, I have a a tattoo on my arm that is something about daily mantra. I know you have a tattoo on your arm, but I think the tattoo in some ways kind of even plays into this kind of conversation. Will you tell us what it says and and why? Oh my
1: goodness, yeah. So I have on my inner arms, um, it's four separate tattoos actually, and they all are just like things that I don't want to forget. Um, the first one is Ese Quamwadere, which is the state motto of the state of North Carolina, where I'm from. Um, North Carolina is like a huge part of my identity, is so much of who I am. And Ese Quamwadere means to be rather than to seem, which is like a life motto for me that I want to always, I don't want to be like trying to seem like something else. I just want to be. And above that, it says, whose world is this? The world is yours, which is from the Nas song, the world is yours. And it just is a reminder that like, I'm a part of this. Like I can be a part of the universe that I'm receiving from. And this one, I told you before that Sia is a huge touch point for me. I didn't even realize how big an impact she's had on my life, but like quite a large one. This one is from her song, The Church of What's Happening Now. And it says... Throw away yesterday. Today is a brand new day. And that's something that I think about uh, at least like to some degree once a day where I'm like, you know, you can just throw away whatever happened before this because the past is not really important. You carry whatever you need into the next moment. But what's important is what's happening right now, the church of what's happening now. And today is a brand new day. And then the last one is what I'm looking for is not out there. It is in me. And mm-hmm. it's a quote from Helen Keller and Helen Keller and I have the same birthday and I've always felt a very strong connection to her. And that idea of like not looking to the outside world for my confirmation and really just turning into myself has been really crucial for me.
0: Those are beautiful. I love it. What does and- yours say? Mine says uh, a ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships were built for. Oh,
1: bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh my god. That is yeah, so real.
0: I, I got plenty of days where I have some self-doubt on my uh, ability to handle the choppiness yeah. of the waters I've been called to and I know that's uh, right. I got to remind myself on the daily that uh, I'm built for built for those seas. So That's
1: it. I was built to ride. We uh, my partner and I talk about this quite a lot. How like we were not meant to do easy things. The whole point of this was to do hard things. So I feel yeah, so good.
0: All right. Uh, before we wrap this thing up, I'm going to ask you uh, the question I tend to end most of our conversations with on this show. And that is uh, if you could just say or tell or ask a question, uh, one thing, what's the one piece of advice, the one thing to challenge someone to think about the, the one thing that might afford a breakthrough or deliver some peace to Mm -hmm. our listeners. Um, If you just had one thing to say, what what would that thing be today?
1: Oh, my goodness. It's a hard question. It is a very hard question. And, I mean, I think if we're saying today, I would say, who are you? Who are you? What are you? Who are you? Who is that? Who is speaking? Why are you here? Who are you?
0: That's good. Jessamyn, I love you. I just uh, love the way that you are pouring light into this world, showing up as your authentic self to give people permission to do the exact same thing. If someone who is listening to the show today does not already follow you or is interested in learning more about your work, where do you send them?
1: You can find me on social media at my name is Jessamine, and you can find my yoga studio and practice yoga with me at The Underbelly Yoga. And you can sign up for a free two week trial at TheUnderbelly.com. And you can find that link. You can find links to my books and literally all the other shit that I do at JessamineStanley.com.
0: Excellent. As a reminder, the books are Everybody Yoga and Yoke. Everybody Yoga, let go of fear and get on the mat. Love your body. Yoke my yoga of self-acceptance. Jessamine Stanley, you are rad. I'm glad to call you a friend, and I appreciate you being on the show this week. Between now and next week, y'all, figure out who you are. In the words of Jessamine, who who are you? I love that. Uh, thank you, Jessamine, for being here. I appreciate you.
1: Thank you for having me, Dave. It was a pleasure to be here with you. All All right, y'all. We'll we'll see
0: you next week on the Rise Together podcast. Hey, y'all. While I am taking a hiatus from social media, I'd still love to stay connected to you on the regular. If you head over to mrdavehollis.com, I have an opportunity for us to become one-way pen pals yep i'm going to be sending out regular updates uh stories uh observations hopefully things that will also make you laugh or think uh and i'd love to be able to do that on the reg so if you uh, are so inclined hit mrdavehollis.com drop in your email and buckle on up i love y'all thank you for all the continued support let's go